Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcast. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen, history title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate NFL Week 10 Sunday Scaries Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Indeed, Ben Online, and Monkey Knife Fight. I'm your co-host, Cody Arg, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, some slate this week, huh? Yeah, it was awesome to have two witching hours today with the balance slate, uh, five games, I believe early and then six late with the Masters going on. So it's pretty great to have madness kind of spread out throughout the day. It is a good point. The first hour was very slow. Your lock of the week game, which I think went on red zone like maybe three times throughout the uh, the entire slate, and two of them related to weather delays. That got things off to a tough start. It's like, oh, wow, we're really stuck with Giants-Eagles, this Washington-Lions game. This is going to be a bit ugly. But it, it definitely picked up, and I agree. I mean, the late, the late slate was absolute mayhem. We'll get into it. But I think we have to start, Tyler, quickly off the top, IU football. We're ranked ninth now. Yep, 
up to ninth in the country, 4-0, so feels great. You know, didn't get tripped up versus Michigan State. They won 24 to nothing. Is their first shutout of a Big Ten team not named Rutgers since 1993. So it was great to see that. The defense played well. The offense was pretty sloppy, especially in the second half. They had they should have probably won this game uh, by more, but I think it's good to have a game like this, you know, just be able to get through it. And big game with Ohio State next week, 21-point underdog, so we'll see what happens. The disrespect. I thought it would be like 12-and-a-half, 13, maybe two touchdowns, but three touchdowns is a, a shot across the bow. It's like, come on, we're ranked ninth. I realize Mich- those Michigan and Penn State wins look worse by the moment, but, like, I don't know, you got to play the schedule you're given. Yeah, I honestly think it's better for IU that they're this big of an underdog because if it was, like you said, 12 or – if it's under, if it's single digits for some reason, then everyone's saying, oh, Ohio State's going to kill them. The fact that it's 21 feels more reasonable, giving Ohio State the respect they deserve. So we'll see. I feel good about it, but I think offensively they have a lot to clean up. So that's why I'm a little glad they didn't play great yesterday because I think then the coaching staff has more to criticize them about and, you know, not inflate their heads because they're ninth in the country. There are some stuff this team needs to work on, so they'll need to get a fix for next week. Yeah, yeah. So biggest game in IU football history. Um, I guess since that one Rose Bowl appearance, but none of us really were alive for that one. So biggest biggest IU football game of our lifetimes. But Tyler, let's start with this uh, Cardinals Bills game. Um, I mean, I was I was split screen. I had red zone. I had the Forty Nine ers Saints game, which I hope we were uh, two of the only like four people that watched that. Um, and I had the Chargers-Dolphins game going on. So the Bills-Cardinals game was popping in and out. That late Bills drive, Josh Allen threw an incredible pass to a Stephon Diggs late in that one to go up. Uh, and and it was looking like, okay, you're going to push on your pick on the over 56. We The line we spoke about on Wednesday was Cardinals minus one. It closed closer to three, two and a half, three. Um, and I mean... The play Kyler Murray made to DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, I think hyperbole is very real, especially in the Twitter age. But one of the more incredible plays you'll ever see, one on the Hopkins catch is insane, but the Murray throw, he eludes the one pass rusher. He's running across his body to the left and throws an absolute dime, 50-plus yards, an incredible play. And uh, you may win in fantasy versus me because of that play, too. So, Monzel Tough. Yeah, that was huge for DeAndre Hopkins' owners. And like you said, just a crazy play for Murray to get it off going to his left and to put it that on target for Hopkins to just have a chance and Hopkins to go up in triple coverage. I mean, everyone's making the joke on Twitter, you know, would they rather have that or a second-round pick in David Johnson, uh, the trade they made for him. I think it's pretty clear they, they won that. So it was an incredible game. And like you said, the play Josh Allen made on the previous drive, the throw to Stephon Diggs was – Equally amazing. I mean, he had a really good game. and It was, it was weird. It was a back-and-forth game. It was a little lower scoring in the first half, and then second half kind of got out of hand. And at one point it looked like the Bills were going to run away with it. They were up 14. The Cardinals stormed back. And then it looked like the Cardinals might run away with it. They were up They were up 23. 23-9. The, the Bills were up 23-9. But then, yeah. the, then the Cardinals were up 26-23 driving. And it looked like they could score a touchdown, kind of put the game away. Crazy interception, hits off Larry Fitz, pops up into the air. Bills get an interception. And then another just terribly mismanaged game by Cliff Kingsbury. You know, it might have ended up working out because he mismanaged it so bad. 
So Josh Allen throws the pick um, with about four minutes left. Cardinals have the ball, four and a half minutes left. Chance to run out the clock and end the game. And they throw the ball three straight times. They run less than a minute off the clock, give the ball back to Buffalo with plenty of time and all timeouts intact. Buffalo drives down, scores, goes ahead. And, you know, maybe Cliff Kingsbury knew it was going to come down to this crazy Hail Mary, but another instance where he puts his team in a bad position, but Kyler Murray and Hopkins spelled them out. Mm-hmm. I mean, this Cardinals team, this game plus that went over Seattle, there's definitely some weird juju uh, coming around this team. They're 6-3 and three now. They play Seattle again this upcoming week on Thursday night. But Murray, his stats, you look at his passing sets, 22-32, 245. That last touchdown was his first of the game. But again on the ground, he's making a ton of plays. He ran the ball 11 times for 61 yards and rushed for another two touchdowns. And, I mean, it's kind of following the – what what we saw last year with Lamar in terms of making plays on the ground. Um, this, I agree. I don't know. Cliff Kingsbury continues to just, like, shoot himself in the foot, but this Kyler it seems talented enough to get him out of it. Um, and I think... And I think even in terms of, like, Sunday's scariest moment, if you're a Cardinals better, you think you're dead with Josh Allen, then you're like, oh, my God. Because most people, if, you, if you're not a sharp like us, betting numbers early in the week, the line moved against Arizona. And Cliff Kingsbury, actually, say what you will about him being a bad coach, but it was smart play by him to just kneel because if the Bills somehow block the extra point and they return it for a touchdown um, – then then they tie it up. So screwed over Cardinals betters minus two and a half, which you can't really complain if you're in that situation, but that's tough. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't agree with anyone complaining if you had them minus two and a half or you had them three and Bill's, for, Bill's money line is the, the real yeah, scariest moment. Bill's money line is the true bad beat. Saying, Oh, I had Cardinals two and a half or three and you would get the push with the extra point, oh that's a bad beat. It's not a bad beat. You had a miracle play to even have a chance. So I don't, I don't want to hear people complaining, but Bill's money line, awful beat. And like I said, the Cardinals are in the ball for 217 yards, average six yards a carry, and he didn't run in that scenario, didn't make the Bills use any timeouts. I mean, it's it, it gets overlooked because they won the game, but in a playoff game or a game down the stretch of the season, that's going to come back to bite them, that kind of mismanagement. And you mentioned Kyler Murray, two rushing touchdowns. He's up to 10 this year already through nine games. That's insane. He's, I think, one of six quarterbacks to have 10-plus throwing and rushing touchdowns, and he's probably going to have a few more. I mean, he could get up to 15, and I saw this week, I think he was 18-1 to as MVP, and a game like this continues to raise his stock. If he plays well Thursday night um, against Seattle, just continues to kind of raise his stock. And for Buffalo, this is obviously a brutal loss. And also with Miami winning, which we'll talk about later, uh, Miami or Buffalo is their bye next week. If Miami wins, they're tied at seven and three. Buffalo won the first matchup, but they play one more time this year. So this this is a tough loss for Buffalo in playoff standings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, no no excuse to lose this one. That that game was wild. Um, and yeah, so we're gonna get to that Seahawks Ram. Should we talk about that, Tyler? Another. Well, I wanted to give out my uh, Sunday scariest moment before we moved mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Um, I just want to say for Eagle fans, um, just that's a horrible loss I had today to the Giants coming off a bye. You know, chance to really put pull your pull away in the NFC East race. You know, great race there. They lose to the Giants twenty seven seventeen. 
they fall to 3-5-1. and one. They're still in first place, but I honestly think the Giants are the best team in that division. I'm not saying much. They're 3-7, and seven, but they've looked competitive. I think they're 7-3 and three now against the spread this year. And the Eagles, you look at their next four games, are at Cleveland. Then they play uh, the Saints, Seattle, and the Packers. I mean, this was a game they had to have. They come out and lose. I don't understand how you could come out in a divisional game you need to win and come out flat. Carson Wentz stinks again. Team went 0 for 9 on third down. They had 11 penalties. And um, Doug Peterson loves going for two. They were down 21 to 17 in the second half, and he went for two, and they didn't get it. Makes absolutely no sense. Kick the extra point, get it to a field goal game. Uh, so that was my Sunday scariest moment. Just the Eagles, just fans in general. Just that This team is brutal to watch and root for. Yeah, I mean, they got their Super Bowl a couple years ago, so I don't feel uh, very bad for them, but they stink. And you just look at this division, you said, okay, the Giants are going to win it. I agree, they've been feisty, they've covered a lot of spreads, they've lost some close games. So they have their bye next week, the Giants, and then they come back, they play Cincy in Week 12, then they go at Seattle, then Arizona, Cleveland, at Baltimore, and Dallas. Like, are they going to win the division with, what, five wins? Like, six six wins really might win this division. I, I think they can. I mean, like I said, Eagles play at Cleveland, home Seattle, at Packers, home Saints, at Cardinals, at Cowboys. You know, those aren't easy games. You know you know who could have, I mean, they tried. They really tried. Washington had a rip-roaring comeback versus uh, your boy Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions. Their schedule, I believe, is the most favorable here. So, real quick, let's pull this up. Everyone will love the NFC East talk, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, they play Cincinnati, then Dallas at Pittsburgh. That's a loss at the 49ers, Tank City. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who's I don't know who's going to win this division. Um, but let's let's move on. Let's talk about a couple of uh, real teams here. Um, L.A. Rams, fresh off the bye, Tyler. This line we spoke about it was minus one. It kind of swelled up to two, two and a half at kick. Um, and Russell Wilson, again, I think he, he threw, looking at that line now, 22 of 37, 248, no touchdowns, two picks, um, in what was a pretty lackluster effort from this team and just more of the same in terms of his recent performance with the turnovers. Um, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I said I said on the pick pod, this was a 6-2, and two, now 6-3, and three team masquerading as, like, a really, like, 4-4 four and four team, and I didn't listen to my own advice. I bet on Seattle, and it's just never good. He was sacked six times. The Rams really got after him, and that's the story of the game. The Rams' defense is legit, and it's good, and it could carry them as long as Goff doesn't make mistakes, and Goff played well today, 27-37, 302 yards, no turnovers. He missed a couple throws, but for the most part, he was pretty on, and when this Rams team has the defense playing that way and they're in a good rhythm offensively, they're legit in the NFC. I don't think there's any clear number one team in the NFC. I would throw them in there as a team that could potentially win it. But, I mean, this game was lost. It was 17-10. to 10. Seattle got a turnover. The Rams fumbled. The, the Seattle's driving. They have second and five, like, in the end zone, on the cusp of the end zone. Russ steps up, has probably like 15 yards ahead of him. He can just run for first down. Instead, he forces a pass into the end zone. It gets picked off, and then it felt like they never really got close again. Um, so that was a turn point. He's been terrible. He's had six turnovers the last two games. Um, so his, his MVP candidacy is no longer. Yeah, I'm looking here. I mean, you look at the NFC. 
don't, we don't have the updated odds because we're recording Sunday night, but like, who's who are you choosing of these teams? Packers, Saints are both seven and two. Arizona six and three. The Eagles are in for the NFC East at the moment. Then you have the Bucks at seven and three. The Rams at six and three. Seattle at six and three as well. Like, and then the Bears, which that's that's done. I think the Bucks are still probably the best team, but watching them earlier today, it's like their defense looked pretty bad. Um, I, I, like. That's why I tweeted out before the 49er game because I kind of, like, in my head, I was like, I actually think they're going to play well. Uh, a long, longer rest since they got destroyed on Thursday Night Football. They beat the Saints. They have the bye. Maybe Jimmy G comes back early. Like, yeah, they might actually win the NFC. All these teams aren't good. Sorry, I was on mute. But, yeah, I, I agree. It's pretty open in the NFC. I think it's pretty obvious to say the top. I mean, two, three teams in the you look, in the AFC. Right. You, I mean, you look at it, the Packers, like, flirted with losing to the Jags today. The Saints, that final score was worth, like, a bigger blowout than that game actually was. And we'll see what the deal is with Breeze. Um, Arizona, they went on the crazy game, the Eagles. The Bucks win, but their defense didn't look good. And the Rams and Seahawks, like, so one of these teams is going to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with the NFC and football in general, having the one-game playoff. Like, you could really talk yourself into any of these teams winning the NFC or any of these teams getting bounced in the first round. Like, the Packers, 7-2, and two, they were horrible today. And there's just something about them. They don't have that, that like, killer instinct as one of these top teams. Um, and I just don't trust them. I don't think their defense is very good. Um, and they're, they're just kind of a soft team. And then the Saints with Breeze, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, if I'm picking two teams right now, I'd still say the Saints just because I thought they were awesome last week and Breeze doesn't hurt too badly. And I think Kamara's he was unreal today again. And then, honestly, the Rams, 6-3. Um, and three. I think that defense is awesome with Donald getting pressure up front and then Ramsey in the secondary is really good. And we saw them get to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and I think in a one-game playoff with that defense, they're going to be able to cause havoc versus whoever they play. So I think those are kind of the two teams I would have right now in the NFC. Yeah. I mean, the Bucks got so embarrassed on Sunday Night Football last week, but I still kind of think I'm taking them of this hodgepodge, um, just going with Brady and all the weapons they have offensively. And we'll see if the defense can get better because it didn't look great today. Um, let's, real quick, before we go to break, Tyler, let's talk about this Colts-Titans game from Thursday Night Football. We were both on the Titans. The Most of the bets, I believe, were most of the money was on the Colts, right? And the line was, how was it? Most of the money was on the Titans, but the line was moving towards the Colts, which is always a weird phenomenon. Seemed a little too good to be true with. I think, ultimately, at kick, it was plus one Tennessee. Their first drive was incredible. Uh, they drive right down the field. And then, ultimately, we have the special teams game from hell against the Titans, which normally they have these weird things happen for them. But they had the 17-yard punt, which basically led to a quick Colts touchdown. They have a three and out, a block punt, and the Colts score again. And then, ultimately, uh Another Guskowski missed field goal. And the Titans, like, it's they do this sometimes. Yeah, I mean, the Titans started off so hot this year. Record-wise, they were 4-0, 5-0. But they, they weren't covering any games, and they were winning close. And I think they're kind of getting exposed as, you know, they're a good team. But I don't think they're in that upper echelon. Yeah, they were 5-0. 
then they lost to the Steelers, kind of got dominated by the Bengals, and they got dominated in this game. There were some special team mishaps, but also the Colts just moved the ball super easy on them. Uh, Phillip Rivers was really good in this game, threw completions to eight different guys. Michael Pittman had over 100 yards, so... I mean, the Colts looked impressive, and this was a good win for them. They now lead the AFC South. These teams play again in a couple weeks, and who knows? Who knows what tight ends team is going to show up? It felt like early in the year, at least offensively, you couldn't stop them. Now it seems like they've come back down to earth. I mean, the turning point in this game to me was the Titans are up 7 nothing. They get a stop on fourth down versus the Colts. They get the ball back, and on third down, A.J. Brown drops a long pass. That probably would have won for a touchdown. If he catches that, they go 14-0. Feels like the momentum would have been different if he had caught that. Said he doesn't, then kind of goes back and forth, and the Colts end up winning. Um, so I thought it was a good one for the Colts. Um, and, you know, it was a good one for them, and we'll see how it shakes out uh, moving forward with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels like the Titans offensively have not been the same since Taylor Luan went out. Um, so... I don't know. We'll see. It, it's going to come down to these two teams. We know that much in the AFC South. So let's we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back with our Lock of the Week recap and give out our Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quick so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Cody, now let's move on to our lock of the week recap. You were victorious this week with your over in the Dolphins-Chargers game. I pushed in my game with the Browns minus three <laughs> versus Texans. Um, let's start there with mine. It was, it was such a boring game. I was probably one of the few people actually watching it. Um, it, was, it was disgusting. Bad weather, like you said, is delayed. I was like, okay, that's probably how this game is going to go. Um, Browns moved to six and three. That's cool. Have their over uh, over eight and a half wins. So this is a game they had to get. I didn't know. Uh, that. Baker continues to look underwhelming. I know the weather stunk. He was twelve of twenty for one hundred thirty two yards, but his team his team ceiling is so limited with him at quarterback. 
Um, so, yeah, the Browns won. That was cool. They're in for 231 yards. Nick Chubb came back. He had 126 yards. But Nick how Chubb. M- how many touchdowns? He only had one. Probably should have uh, had two. Probably could have had two, right? So, for people who didn't watch, which, again, was probably everyone, um, the Browns had the ball. Uh, at the end of the game, up 10 to 7. The spread was minus 3. It got up to 4.5 uh, today for a lot of people. Luckily, I got on that early. Um, sharp line. Sharp, sharp points. But they were running out the clock. It was a third down. And I'm watching I'm watching the Packers game on TV, and I have uh, like the direct TV stuff on my computer. And I'm, I'm watching Packers game, and I look down, and I just see Nick Chubb like, breaking away for a touchdown. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get like a backdoor cover. And instead of running in for a touchdown, there was under a minute left. The Texans had no timeouts left. The Texans are down. The Browns are up three. So if he scores a touchdown, it goes up to nine. And he gets to the two-yard line just runs out of bounds. And it made no sense. Why would he run out of bounds in that scenario? If he, if he just slid down and got touched and then the game there, okay, I could understand that. You want to run out the clock. But to run out of bounds, you stop the clock. That made no sense. Also, just score because you're up three, and then you score, you go up nine. The game's over. It's not like the uh, Todd Gurley play that happened a couple years ago where it wasn't like they were up two or up one and you score a touchdown you still give Houston life. You score, you're up 16-7 with 50 seconds left. The game's over. So for him to run out of bounds was so stupid. That is a bad beat. Not the Bills minus two or the Cardinals minus two and a half. This was a bad beat because he should have ran in for the touchdown. That was a smart football play. Who no. knows if the snap gets fumbled on the the, uh, the kneel. And also to run out of bounds is the stupidest thing of all. If you just slid down, I would have respected it more. But to run out of bounds was just a slap in the face. It was a shame. It was truly a shame. I was watching it, um, and I see him break away. And I was like, because I have one push on the season and lock the week, so I was like, okay, cool, like Tyler's going to, whatever, That'll I'll gain ground, assuming mine hits. And I see Chubb break away, and I was like, you have to be kidding me, it's such a BS cover. And when he just duck out of bounds, I was I was dying. I was dying on my couch. It was a good play. You can't let the other team get the ball back, Tyler. Can't risk it. Yeah, but you can't, can't run out of can't bounds. Risk it. Can't risk it. I agree. You should have just dove down. Yeah, it was it was a perfect cap to such a boring game. The Browns were up <laughs> ten to nothing, so it looked like they're going to cover in Deshaun. Deshaun made a crazy play on the third down to keep that drive alive that ended in touchdown. And I'll keep saying it. I feel bad for Watson. I know he got that great extension and got a ton of money, and it's hard to turn down. But I would have loved to see him leave this team. We saw what DeAndre Hopkins did today, that game-winning touchdown. Like, this guy's got no help. There's no hope in the future. They said they might hire Romeo Cornell because it's going to be difficult to hire a coach. Like, What? uh, Yeah. And the thing is, too, like, the guy they trade for, David Johnson, is obviously hurt because that's just what happens. Like, the guy guy they traded Hopkins for isn't even playing for the next three weeks. Um, Yeah, I mean, the Texans did what? Randall Cobb dropped, like, what should have been a touchdown earlier in the game. Um, Texans are right off. Um, But, yeah, I mean, at least you got the three instead of three and a half or four, so... Kudos to us for doing the pot earlier in the week, I guess. Um, so you are now what six three and one? Yep. Okay, you're six three and one. I moved to five four and one uh, in a late, an exciting game actually for the most part. Uh, a little bit like 
I don't know. So this Dolphins Chargers game, I went back and forth on the pick 'em pot in terms of which team I actually liked here. Ultimately, I ended up on the right side. Tua moves to three and zero straight up, and against the spread, the Dolphins just continue to do nothing but cover games. I think they're like maybe eight and two now against the spread, something like that. Um, but they got off to a quick start. There was a block punt, and then they punch it in right away, feeling great. And this. This Dolphins team is the new Titans. They just find a way. They find these random ways to manufacture points, whether it's defensive turnovers or special teams. Their special, their punt returner is incredible. Every time he catches the ball and he has space to run, it's a 20-yard return, which is great for the over. They went up 14 nothing pretty quickly uh, to end the first quarter, and then I had like 10 minutes of nothing in the second quarter. The team is her this Chargers. So concerned. Uh, Eckler's out, and they have kind of Kalen Balazs. They have all these guys, but no one's a, that's that great. Um, and it seemed like it was dead. Jason Sanders missed his first field goal of the season. The total was uh, 48 in this one. It was 26-14. Um, Sanders missed his, literally his first field goal of the season. And then luckily the Chargers had turnover on downs. The Dolphins got it back uh, with about, say, six minutes to go. Sanders drilled a 49-yarder with four minutes left. So it was looking at 29-14. The total was 43 at that point, and uh, I just needed the Herbert garbage time touchdown. And they drove down the field. Tyler, and it was pretty easy, but on the play before the two-minute warning, uh, Herbert had Mike Williams wide open in the end zone. Like, he was one with him five yards. Him and he just airmailed it over his head by like five yards. Like that's that's gonna be it. I'm gonna find a way to lose this. And then luckily he hit Keenan Allen in the end zone for a touchdown. For a hot second they had to review it because basically after he crossed the goal line he fumbled and that could have been uh, an issue whether it was possession or if he fumbled before he got across and that really would have sucked for me as a way to lose this. But luckily it hit um, and. Dolphins keep winning, and the lock of the week hit, but this wasn't what I expected. This The Chargers' uh, offensive play calling was so conservative in this game. It was terrible. Yeah, so Warren Sharp, where I got his website, where I got a lot of the stats from, He's he's been on this for a couple weeks now about So we did this in the first half of the game. Uh, there's, six, there's six first down play calls uh, – at the beginning of the game, they ran four runs for 1.5 yards per carry. The two times they passed were 14 yards per attempt. And then the first 25 plays of the game, they ran the ball 17 times, only threw it eight. They were running for three yards a carry at that point. Keen Allen only had one catch. Mike Williams hadn't been targeted. Hunter Henry hadn't been targeted or only had one target. So it just goes back to what you said. They're so conservative. The play calling is terrible. And this game started so chargers. They get the ball, like you said, Dolphins block the punt. They go down 7 nothing in a blink. Then they go three and out again. They punt. Dolphins drive down, have fourth and one. They're kicking a field goal. Guy jumps offsides, gives the Dolphins mm-hmm. a first down. Sure, good play. They score a touchdown, 14 nothing. So this is what bad coach teams do. They make these stupid mistakes like this and get down in these games, and that's why they keep losing. There's, I felt like there's a lot of steam towards the Chargers leading into this game. When we previewed the game as two and a half, it got down to a point, point and a half. So people were believing in the Chargers. And I don't think talent-wise, these teams are super far off from each other. 
but Miami is super well coached with Flores, and Chargers have a horrible coach in Anthony Lynn, and we've said that for a couple years now, and this is why they continue to lose these games, and the drive that they scored to cover the over, usually I'll root against you, and I'll just point out that was a backdoor garbage way to cover your over, but I bet on it, so I was rooting for it too. On the first play, the Chargers ran. Winner's uh, a winner, Tyler. Yeah. The oh, the draw. Play, the draw. They, down, they ran down the down ball. 15. And it worked. It worked. They got nine yards. But you're down two scores with under four minutes left, and you're running the ball. It just makes no sense. They're so stupid. They have this unbelievably talented rookie quarterback with Herbert. You have great weapons for him. Be aggressive. And to run the ball in that situation, if it works or not, is so stupid. It was such a Chargers game. Um, very funny. But, yeah, like you said, and we talked about Miami continues to win 6-3. and three. They play at Denver next week. If they win that game, they're tied with Buffalo. So they, they still have a chance to win that division, which is wild. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they make winning plays, which ultimately is all you could ask for there. Um, yeah, I mean, the it is amazing because Eckler is out and their other running backs aren't very good. Like, Blage had flashes, but just like, Play to your strengths. Like, what are you doing? Uh, that was a lot of uh, – I, I am happy. i very happy I ultimately ended up on the Dolphins when we were going back and forth there. But, Tyler, let's wrap up. Grandpa Billy's bum of the week. I'll let you go first here. Who's your bum? So my bum of the week is Drew Locke. He was absolutely oh, – You stole mine. He was absolutely terrible today. He threw four picks for the Raiders. And I was especially annoyed because I had the over in this game. And it almost – hit in the back door, which would have been a crazy uh, hit on that. Is 51, final score is 37-12, but he was terrible. He threw four picks, like I said. He had such a bad interception for the half. They're down 10-6, forces a pass into the end zone, gets picked off. Just take the points, man. And he, he's been really bad. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, when who'd they come back? And, oh, they come back, came back and beat Chargers. the Chargers. Yeah. And he was, he was dancing. Uh, Cowherd <laughs> called him out for it. They had a little back and forth. And I agree with Cowherd. I mean, this guy stinks, and he's dancing on the sidelines. So Drew Locke's my bum of the week. He's overrated quarterback, overrated dancer. I didn't believe any of the hype of him coming into this year um, or any of the hype for the Broncos. They're another team that just ran terribly and continues to not be good. So he's my bum of the week. I was very frustrated having the over because it was there for them to cover that, uh, but he, he was just terrible. This is I mean, I know they just drafted him last year, but it feels like this is probably his last year there, right? Like, as the starter. they I mean, they, they have weapons. They should be better than they are. Yeah, they, they should be. He, so he got hurt early He's in the year. He missed a few games. But. Yeah, but he came back versus the Patriots. And every game since the last five games, he's thrown at least one pick. He's thrown multiple interceptions in three of those five games. So they're terrible. I mean, if it wasn't for... The Chargers, they would have lost, you know, they should have lost that game. Um, Vic Fangio, it's his second year. I'd fire him. He's not a head coach. Um, but, and, and John uh, John Elway, honestly, is going to be in some crap because this is another quarterback he's drafted that isn't, just isn't good. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen with that team. They stink. But I was, I was so frustrated watching that game. And the Raiders, I mean, they're six and three. They get no one talks about them. And yeah, they keep winning. They play um, the Chiefs on Sunday night next week at home. So we'll see. They already beat the Chiefs once, but they're legit and they're they're good. They're good, and they could definitely win a playoff game or two. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they just keep winning. Um, actually, I like watching the Raiders. Fun team to watch. Um, Drew Locke was going to be my guy, but I'm not audible here, Tyler. I'm going with Bryson DeChambeau. We spoke about it in the podcast with James, although it's cutting in and out there. Uh, that he he had uh, he basically told us we should fade DeChambeau. He's got a shoulder thing going on. DeChambeau was quoted saying the course at. Augusta, it's a par 72 normally. The way he's hitting the ball, it's more like a par 67. So, so cocky. And a great thing for golf to have a villain like that. He shot two under on on the uh, on the weekend. It wasn't really even in contention going into Friday. He almost missed the cuts to finish Saturday morning, but it was very close. Um, so, he's my grandpa, Billy Bum of the Week. If you're going to be that cocky, it's very entertaining. It makes for a lot of people to have interest in golf, but... You have to back it up. You have to at least be in the hunt come Sunday. DJ uh, set a course record shooting 20 under. Um, but if if you're going to be that guy, be that cocky and, and talk that much, you have to back it up. But also, if you are hitting the ball that well, like why even put that quote out there? There's no good that can come from saying that. And you know that all these like old golf guys that are like maybe hardos or have won tournaments there before are going to be like, screw this kid. Yeah, it's such an asshole thing to say. And looking at the pictures of him from last year compared to now are just crazy. Like how like skinny he was last year, and now he's just like this big meathead. So it's it's great to see him play that poorly after being that cocky. But yeah, congrats to Dustin Johnson. He was awesome, uh, minus twenty. And you know, I followed some of James' picks, uh, some stuff read on Action Network, and did pretty well. This was like the first golf tournament I like followed from a gambling perspective closely and did well. So I'm definitely going to keep it up. And having the Masters in November was weird. And it's only like five months away. Uh, the, nor- the next the, one. It's 2021, yeah. so it's a quick turnaround. Um, but Dustin Johnson definitely won uh, the weekend. Mm-hmm, for sure. It was, uh, it was a fun tournament. And even, I mean, the top three guys were like at the top between DJ, Rom, and JT, and ultimately... Dustin John, I mean, he was incredible. I felt like every time you were watching, he's on the green putting for birdie, like just hole after hole. So must be nice. Good job by him. Um, but I think that wraps up another week of the full slate uh, Sunday Scaries podcast. We'll be back this week, Tyler, for NFL Week 11. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.